0: Please join me in our prayer of illumination this morning. O Lord, your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Give us grace to receive your truth in faith and love and strength to follow on the path you set before us. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. The first reading today is from 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 18 through 20 and verse 26, found in your pew Bibles on page 243 and 244. Samuel was ministering before the Lord, a boy wearing a linen ephod. His mother used to make for him a little robe and take it to him each year when she went up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. Then Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, may the Lord repay you with children by this woman for the gift that she has made to the Lord and then they would return to their home. Now the boy Samuel continued to grow both in stature and in favor with the Lord and with the people. This is the word of the Lord. Be to God.
1: Our gospel reading is found in Luke chapter 2, verses 41 through 52, which you can find on page 934 in your Pew Bibles if you would like to follow along. Hear these words of the gospel writer. Now, every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover, and when he was 12 years old, they went up as usual for the festival. When the festival was ended and they started to return, the boy, Jesus, stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents didn't know it. Assuming that he was in the group of travelers, they went a day's journey, then they started to look for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, "'Child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been searching for you in great anxiety.' He said to them, Why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. His mother treasured all these things in her heart, and Jesus increased in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favor. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So last week, Peter spoke a bit about being from off. And I also clearly am from off. But the question I actually dread the most is the one when people ask, so where did you come from? Now, the simple answer to this is easy. Many people want to know where you just moved from. If you weren't from here, you had to have come from somewhere before you got here. And in my case, it was from Ohio. Now, if I were going to follow up on last week's sermon, I might make a snarky comment about a certain Facebook group that I'm sure none of you belong to, (laughs) titled, Go Back to Ohio. (laughs) But I'm sure nobody here is involved in that. And the truth is, I'm not an Ohioan either. That's just where we came from most recently. In Ohio, I was from off, too. As a matter of fact, at this point in my life, I would say that in every place I've gone, I've really kind of been from off. Sometimes when people ask, where are you from, what they really mean is, where are you home? Where is your home? Where did you come from? What is the place that grew and nurtured you, the place you go back to, And my answer is far more complicated than most people's, oh, well, I grew up in. Because I was born in New Jersey, but I was six months old when we moved to Indiana, and I was three years old when we moved to Pennsylvania, and I was eight years old when we moved to Florida. And I lived in Gainesville, Florida, which I I suppose I would consider my hometown until I was 18 and moved to South Carolina to go to school at Presbyterian College, then moved back to Florida, but to Orlando and then to Tampa, and my folks left Gainesville when I was in my mid-20s, so I don't go there anymore anyway um, as, as far as going home is concerned. Then I was in North Carolina for a few years, and then in Ohio, and finally in South Carolina again. It's a complicated thing to answer the question, where are you from? And we weren't even military family. (laughs) 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 But I suppose academics move fairly often, too, or at least in my experience, For some of you, you identify a location, maybe this location, maybe someplace else as as home. But really, what is home? Is it where you grew up? Is it where you currently live? There's lots of quotes about where home is. Home is where the heart is. Home is not a place, it's a feeling. Home is where you go when you run out of places to go. And then Elizabeth Yulberg says, the entire time I've been thinking about where my home was, at first it was California, then Wisconsin, but in truth, home isn't necessarily where you sleep at night. It's where you feel most like yourself, where you're most comfortable, where you don't have to pretend, but you can just be you. And Gladys Hunt, in my favorite quote about home, says, my favorite definition is a safe place. A place where one is free from attack, a place where one experiences secure relationships and affirmation, a place where people share and understand each other, its relationships are nurturing. The people in it do not need to be perfect. Instead, they need to be honest, loving, supportive, recognizing a common humanity that makes all of us vulnerable. For me, home really is... The place where I feel comfortable being fully myself. For much of my life, that place has often been church. A community where home is the place where, when you have to go there, they have to take you in. <laughs> Doesn't that describe who we are as church people? That was Robert Frost, by the way. Or home is the place where they have to love you. Isn't church that place? where, if nothing else, we are expected by God and one another to love one another. Which is not to say that we church people always do that perfectly either. However, I like the fact that Presbyterians acknowledge both our fallenness and our need to do better, always in the light of God's grace, a grace that we receive and hope to extend to others in our midst. At least that should be our aspiration, right? To be, to have a church, this church, any church, be the place where people are able to be fully themselves, fully the people God has called them to be, not perfect, but as Hunt says, honest, loving, supportive, and both cognizant and protective of one another's humanity and vulnerability. Now, Jesus... Was raised not in Bethlehem, but first as a refugee to Egypt, and eventually in Nazareth, by his mother and earthly father. But we see a sense of his own being from off, his own struggle with who it means to be human and God, and his family struggle with the dual nature of of this child in today's gospel story. Now, I love the way Scott Hosey describes this story when he says, It's a curiosity of Luke's gospel to see how the sprawling two opening chapters of Luke end. After all, these two very long chapters featured no fewer than three angel visitations, miraculous pronouncements, lyric songs, and above all, the birth of the Savior of the world. Yet as it all comes in for a conclusion, we have a story as mundane, as utterly earthly and simple as they come, lost child, panicked parents, frantic search, the whole thing starts with angels and ends paging for a lost child on the PA system at Walmart. (laughs) To me, this piece of the story is yet another way of Luke showing us the very ordinariness of Jesus' family life. Now, this is a child who is not being raised in a palace or even in the temple, but rather to very ordinary parents who have a very ordinary response to what at least seems like a rather thoughtless behavior on the part of their 12-year-old son. It actually makes me think that Jesus' life and development up to this point must have been pretty ordinary to them, too, Maybe Mary and Joseph had gotten so caught up in the daily routines and activities that they weren't thinking about this son being somehow especially unique. So they're astonished by both his presence in the temple sitting with the teachers. Twelve-year-olds don't do that, right? And also then his response to them. This story isn't about a perfect family that wouldn't understand our struggles. But a family li- or a family life that is out of our reach, but rather a story of a family figuring out who they are each called to be in relationship to one another and to God. Now, of course, in this story, if you listen carefully, Luke reminds us that this child is anything but ordinary. After all, Luke, as he's writing, knows the end of the story. And the three days that it takes to find Jesus in the temple remind us and point us forward to another three days in which Jesus is seemingly lost, not just to his mother, but to all humanity before he appears again fully at home in both his earthly and heavenly self. Jesus may have had some idea of what his life was about, but even here we see this dual understanding of who he is. Mary and Joseph ask, why didn't you come home? But Jesus recognizes that when it comes to that earthly family, he too is from off. Did you not know that I must be in my Father's house? He has another home. It's not the one where he lives with Mary and Joseph, but he has a home in this temple. A home in God's house, a home discussing and debating the points of theology, an understanding of who God is and how we relate to that God. His home is not simply a house in Nazareth, but also in the temple, and indeed later in his life, anywhere that he is engaged with God's work, can teach and learn and question and listen. Once Jesus begins his adult ministry, he's often not at home again, at least in the physical sense of, I live in Nazareth kind of way, but he didn't move to the temple and live there either in what he referred to as his father's house. Yet Jesus is always at home because wherever he is and whoever he is with, he chooses to be fully himself. Now this story, as I pointed out to the children tells us that in his earthly home, as a human child, Jesus increased in wisdom and in years, in different translations, in stature. He physically grew up. And in divine and in human favor. He doesn't come to earth already fully developed in all things, but as any human child grows physically and mentally and spiritually and socially This is a story that points us to a truth about our own lives and our own need for continued growth in wisdom, both in academic and spiritual, in care for our physical bodies, in our relationships with God and in our relationships with others. Jesus himself grew and developed and changed and matured in these different facets of life. Now, I'm not one who always subscribes to the what would Jesus do mentality, Of thinking that we are somehow able to become just like Jesus. But I think in Luke's gospel in particular, the gospel writer demonstrates how Jesus showed us how to live as a called people through the very ordinary paths of life that we all encounter. And if we are to be able to be at home, no matter where we are, here in church, out in our physical homes, out in the community, or whether we move from place to place, we are called to continue, as Jesus did, to grow and develop and change and mature. So maybe then, as we prepare to enter a new year, anybody working on those New Year's resolutions yet? You might think of an area in which you need to continue to grow and develop and mature. What would it mean to make a life of faith your home, the place where you are fully you and fully free to be who God calls you to be? Do you need to work on your wisdom, academic and spiritual knowledge of scripture and the world? And most of us, thank you, are not going to get any taller. Some of you still need to, but, you know, the, um, but most of us aren't going to get taller, but do we need to be more mature in our choices for our bodies and their care? Do we need to take more time in our spiritual relationship with God or put some emphasis on our connections with others? In the same way as this congregation continues to grow in wisdom and stature and favor with God and with humans, what would it mean to be a place where people say, this is home, now I've finally found the place where I belong? What would it look like to be a community where people are able to be fully themselves and fully who God has called them to be. Not perfect, but honest and loving and supportive and both cognizant and protective of one another's humanity and vulnerability. And if you already feel that here, what could you do this year to help someone else feel like this is a place they could call their spiritual home. Whatever else we may do, let us now then give thanks for the life of Jesus Emmanuel, God with us, and the ways in which he grew and learned and questioned and listened, and that call upon our hearts to continue to learn and grow as people of faith. May it be so. Amen.